0: Hey, I'm Ed and this is Bulls Gold here on Nothing But Net Radio, a part of Dash
1: Radio. As always, I'm joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going this weekend? Good, good. Just another lazy weekend and long lines of lazy weekends, really. Uh, not much going on, just watching hoops mostly and trying to see when the Bulls will play next. Uh, obviously, today's game against the Raptors got canceled. Uh, looking like the Denver games uh, for tomorrow, I believe, is looking a little iffy. Uh, so we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, so we are left with the uh, bad taste of a loss to a Phoenix Suns in our mouth. Not that the Phoenix Suns are a bad team because they've been playing absolutely great. But the Bulls led that game for what about the first three quarters and they had a double-digit lead. And then Phoenix just clawed their way back and it just... The Bulls just fell apart. So it, it was a it was another one of those games where you felt like they they should have won that. And there's probably been maybe four or five of those this season. And the record would probably look a little bit different if they win maybe two
1: or three of those. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think this game and the OKC Thunder game probably stung the most just because the OKC game, you had that 20 plus point lead. Against and an, another inexperienced young team, um, obviously last season OKC had a lot of success, but uh, Chris Paul was a big part of that, and they didn't have obviously that player with them this season. But you know the Bulls were up big, and they gave up that bleed against them. I know they got a bad call late that uh, a Wendell Carter foul that wasn't a foul that really affected the outcome. But, yeah, that game and then, yeah, the Suns game kind of annoyed me as well just because, you know, you're up, what, 18 points against a team. I know, like you said, the Suns are really good. They're, they're what, the fourth seed in the East, or sorry, the West. Uh, they have a lot of talent, a lot of young talent, deep roster uh, with a good mix of, like, veterans. Obviously, Chris Paul being an all-star still as a veteran leader on that team. you got, you know, guys like Jay Crowder that are veterans. Uh, similar to guys like Thad on our roster, or uh, Garrett Temple on our roster, but obviously their overall talent with guys like Devin Booker, Ayton, um, Miles Bridges, uh, you know, being up even against them at by like eighteen, you figure they would be able to hold on, but you kinda see the same issues creep up in the fourth quarter with decision making, uh turnovers, big biggest issue turnovers where they had like twenty four points off of uh off of the Bulls turnovers. So yeah this the, the meltdown essentially happened and then the Bulls lost.
0: Yeah, it it was a it was a really tough loss, but on the, on the bright side and I know some people may not want to hear it, but this is another one of those losses that I think helps change the narrative of the Bulls. They've been really competitive all season long and uh, doing this against a team like Phoenix even being up double digits is really impressive so we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about that And we're going to continue to talk about you know what the Bulls have done this season Zach Levine recently selected as an all-star for the first time we're going to talk about that and joining us to talk about the Bulls uh, on today's show uh, contributor for the step back dime and uh, Liberty Ballers Jackson Frank Jackson thank you for joining us today
2: yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about uh, talk about the uh, good and, and competitive Chicago Bulls.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we were, we were just talking about how that Phoenix Suns loss, it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But again, the Bulls have been really competitive all season. and There's been a lot of games this season where you feel they probably should have won. And It feels like this team, and we've seen a lot of quotes about it, you see it on the floor, they're gelling more, they're responding to the coaching more, they like the coaching more importantly, and they're playing a very practical style of basketball. And it's been really fun to watch all season. So Jackson, what's been your general thoughts on how the Bulls have turned things around this season, and how they've been able to just stay competitive in so many games, even if they aren't, uh, even if they aren't really being able to trusted. They're not trusted really to close every game against a really good team.
2: So I think the the biggest thing, kind of the overarching theme, is that um, they have competent coaching now who knows how to use, you know, kind of maximize the skills of their best players. Because I mean, I remember last year when they when they made all those signings, not a quarter supposed to be healthy. Another year, you know, Larry Market and Wendell Carter Jr. Like they were pretty kind of trendy picked him to snag a seven or eight seed uh, and that did not happen um, because Jim Boylan didn't use the, the personnel readiness he didn't use you know Fad Young correctly you know Sadoransky was kind of maybe overextended times or not use enough um, and so you have you have a coach who by no means is Billy Donovan some like top seven top eight coach but he's a, he's a legitimate kind of viable NBA coach who knows okay Fad Young is one of the best passing big men in the NBA let's Let's run them in pick and rolls with, uh, you know, with Zach Living. Let's get them at the elbows and run cutters off of them or let them kind of facilitate things for our off-ball players. Um, you know, let's not hard hedge and trap every pick and roll. Um, and now to you note, know, in Jim Boylan's credit, the, the defense last year was actually pretty solid, but um, it's just a tough way to kind of consistently, you know, do. it's a tough, it's a tough thing to work against a uh, good team. So uh, just competent coaching with, you know, with the staff that understands kind of the talents of its players. Garrett Temple has been huge too, um, getting him, uh, you know, was was pretty phenomenal. It was a great pickup. I mean, I, you, everyone talks about kind of how good the Nets are and they also, but, you know, that comes with the caveat well, their defense is is, uh, is not great. And Garrett Temple's been phenomenal on defense. Like they could totally use Mike. it's wild that they, I think they cut him or released him. So, um, and then obviously Zach Levine's rise to be one of the best, you know, offensive players in the NBA this year. Uh, is huge. And I think some of that or a lot of that is, you know, to his own credit, to his own improvements, but also some of it is, you know, Billy Donovan and the surrounding cast but putting them in better positions to succeed.
1: It's interesting, you, you talk about Garrett Temple and obviously Thaddeus Young. Um, and in many ways, outside of Zach Levine, those guys have been, and, and along with like Sadransky, those guys have been our most reliable players and a lot of times Billy closes with most of the times I should say Billy closes with uh, those guys along with Zach and sometimes Kobe, depending on um how Kobe's looking. Uh, what are your thoughts on how the bulls are Billy is handling that? He's not really going with development as much. Um, he's developing in his own way, obviously, there there's Teaching moments that he has with guys like Pat, Pat Williams, Kobe White, uh, Wendell Carter, uh, even Lowry when he's healthy and out there. But he mostly a lot of time relies on the vets and that to try to you know help close games. What are your thoughts on that? Like, do you you think that's a good way to handle this season, or do you think that's something that uh, you'd probably like to see them go with more of the young guys down the stretch?
2: I think he's handling it properly because of how good Zach Levine is. Um, I think if Zach Levine were maybe the player two seasons ago, where he's a very talented scorer but very you know, flawed defender and passer and decision maker, um, it wouldn't be worth prioritizing him. But he's been so so good this year. You know, obviously as you two mentioned, he was named to an All Star team, uh, and he's a guy where like you, you, he's he's never really won consistently, or he's never won consistently. You know, he's had seven. He's in his eighth year, I believe, seventh year. Excuse me, and he's and he's had six losing seasons. Uh, six different head coaches. So like, and he's, he's a free agent after next season. And he's been so good that you want, you want to show that you're committed to winning. Um, so I think we're doing a good job of balancing that. Um, now, obviously he is asked to, you know, kind of, you know, uh, keep afloat a lot of youth heavy lineups. Uh, but at the same time, he's been really good when he has been able to play with other veterans. So I think for the most part, Chicago and, and coach Donovan are doing a pretty good job there um, because of, as I mentioned, just how good Zach Levine is. It'd be one thing if he was kind of the old guy and then maybe, uh, you know, kind of there's old self, excuse me, um, and you know maybe wasn't maybe wasn't worth uh, prioritizing, you know, long term or in free agency in 2022. But uh, he's really, really good now, um, and I think you got to show that you're committed to winning and and playing guys like Sato and Thad Young and Garrett Temple. You know, in the at the end of a close game is how you show that you're committed to doing so.
0: So we entered the season with talks about what direction Arturis Carnishevis and Mark Eversley would go with this team and because the, the same team return a, a lot of the consensus was they would see how the Bulls would play under new coaching and how they would respond to that and that would make evaluation easier and it would make a direction easier So the Bulls have been competitive they they're in the, they're in a playoff spot they should at this rate, uh, make the play in uh, one of the uh, playing game. So it seems like a direction is here. But what I want to ask you is, given what we've seen from Zach Levine, all star season, he, he's become one of the best offensive talents in basketball. So he, he's up this game as he has each season in Chicago. How successful do you think the Bulls can be building a team with him as not the guy, but as one of the top two guys, you think that is something that in the end, it can, it can work for what this team wants to, you know, do going forward.
2: Yeah, I do think it can work. Um, You know, it is, it is a tricky spot because the, I guess the, the most common avenue to, you know, acquiring and, you know, a guy who maybe allows Zach Levine to be your co-star or your one, your one B or your two A or rather than the, the undisputed, you know, main star is through the draft um and a, and a high pick, but uh, the way the Bulls are playing this year, they're not gonna get a high pick, which again is not to criticize them or anything like that, but um, yeah, I, I think they are making the right decision because I know I've seen a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, look what they could get for Thad Young or Garrett Templar, you know, Sadaransky or all of them. And I get that, but I but I think you look at a guy like Kobe White, who's been so in Lowry Marketing, even two and Wendell, um, all of them really, who have been better when they've had stability around them. Like I just don't know if it would benefit their development to get rid of the second through Fourth best players. Um, I mean, maybe. maybe, I mean, I know Wendell's been injured this year, but he's been pretty good when he has. So, but uh, you could you could maybe put him somewhere in there. But anyway, like your second through fifth player or whatever it is, I just don't know if that would benefit those guys at all. I think you would really see um, some more struggles because I think you know Kobe White's been shooting the ball pretty well the last few games, uh, and his best games of the year have always come when he's kind of able to play off of other guys and you know be a spot up shooter, attack closeouts, things like that. Um, The other guys handle the ball, and so. Uh, that's not to say the only guy you need to prioritize is Kobe White, but I think it goes for other guys too, where, um, you know, just having some stability and good players around them who aren't Zach Levine uh, helps. And that's, again, that's not me saying that Zach Levine's a detriment to them, but you need more than one good, solid kind of player around your young guys. And so uh, I think they're taking the right path. And, um, but I do understand that there it might be tough to find a guy better than Zach um, if you continue to win and, you know, be a team who hovers around 500 or, Eventually moves past five hundred. Um, I just don't. I just don't see any of their kind of three. If you because yeah, I, I think if you count Kobe, Wendell, and, uh, and Patrick Williams are kind of your three main core guys with to Lowry. Um, I just don't see any of them kind of developing to be better players than uh, Zach Levine. Maybe Patrick Williams, but uh, I think you're still kind of always looking at co-stars, and that that makes it tough. But that's not necessarily an indictment of what they're doing or really. anything. how how do you think the
1: bulls should approach with that obviously you're saying they should keep him uh but let's say there is a a line that you know that ak doesn't want to cross so if he gets a certain offer in your mind what do you think he should say okay you know what this is too good an offer that i have to uh go ahead and trade that for this certain asset a team is offering
2: yeah i think something that would I, th- I think you know because Thad's been really, really good. I know I know Bulls fans, Bulls people realize it, and I know you know generally a lot of informed you know NBA fans realize it too. But I think his his asking price should be kind of higher than maybe what you'd expect for a team that's below 500. Um, because I, was, I mean he's been really good. But I think something if I could get a pick that I think pick plus maybe like a, a somewhat enticing young player, uh, a pick that's like a that looks to maybe be in the top 20 or maybe in that like 14 to 22 range, I would consider. But I don't I don't want like I don't want the Bucks to come knocking and then get them offer me. And I, I guess that's a bad example because the Bucks don't have like the ability to trade any first round picks for a while. But a point, I don't want a team that's going to like finish twenty sixth or twenty eighth or be drafting there. To be like, yeah, we'll give you a first round pick and like and some like you know G, you know guy who's been playing in the G League. Um, and so I I think that would be kind of my sweet spot would be like an interesting young player plus a pick that projects to be low, higher than like twenty three or twenty two. Uh, maybe that's a misvaluation, but I think they got to get a pretty interesting, uh, you know, pick and player back um, for Thad because of how important he is to this team. Yeah, I think that's something that both Edward and myself are in line
1: with. I think it's hard to trade a guy like Thad for various reasons. I know one of the things he's been big with is helping Wendell as well, kind of making those reads to develop his passing game. So that's, that's fruitful in itself. If Wendell is really able to develop that side of his game, that helps us play kobe and zach off the ball more because then you have another offensive hub you can try to run the offense through
2: yeah for sure and i, and I think also you know it, again i i i don't i, I have no indications of what Levine plans to do next summer but um i just think keeping that around is another way to to increase your chances of retaining him because you know they were together in minnesota they have a great relationship um i know fatty said like like he was like Zach was his rook back in the day. So um, I know that that was a reason that Thad signed with the Bulls because he wanted to kind of, you know, be with Zach Levine and help him kind of win. Um, and so I, I just think there are too many reasons for, there are too many on and off court reasons that, in ways that Thad helps this team, both short and long-term that I think, you know, selling him for pennies on the dollar doesn't make any sense. Um, I Again, so I I don't know. I'm, I'm not great with kind of evaluating what players are worth. And so maybe my, maybe my, you know, Maybe my suggestion is not enough either, but I think you really got to make sure you feel like it's, it's, it's worth it from a long-term asset standpoint, if you do decide to deal with him, because as, as you mentioned, and as I've mentioned, like he, he's been so key to what they're doing on the court uh, and he seems to have good relationships with guys off the court too. And I think, you know, both of those things are really key for a team that's still kind of trying to find its identity in terms of who it's going to be, you know, long-term. I think this year they've kind of found, found out who they are for the most part, but I think long-term there's still some, some, uh, it's still a little hazy. I think Sad can help clarify that, even if he's not kind of in the, even if he's not in the plans beyond like 20. I mean, beyond next mm-hmm.
0: season. Yeah, and we had Morton Jensen on our show uh, last week, and he has Thaddeus Young as the sixth man of the year right now, and we were all in agreement that it, it's just there, there's way too much downside to move Thaddeus Young unless you're just getting a no brainer offer. Like I. I, I linked it to, uh, and, and while it's not the same impact, when the Bulls traded uh, Nikola Mirotic to New Orleans uh, a few years back and they got a, a first-round pick that ended up turning into Chandler Hutchinson. At the time, it was it was fine value because you got a first for somebody who didn't really fit your timeline, but long-term, Chandler Hutchinson is not even in the rotation right now. So it, it, while you can also say that, yeah, but you could have took somebody else, it's just... it's it's so many things that are up in the air. It's like a draft pick looks good until you use it and you actually have to hit on it. So uh, for for me, like Thaddeus Young is just not somebody who I would move unless, like you guys have said, we're getting something that you just, it's just undeniable. So if the Bulls aren't moving Thaddeus Young, what direction do you think this team could go, uh, go in at the trade deadline? Lonzo Ball's been somebody who, a, a lot of bulls fans are on board with because they feel like he uh, he improves the playmaking he gives you a versatile guard who can defend and his shooting numbers have bounced back in a big way uh the last few seasons so he he just seems like a, a tailor-made fit for this uh team so what players do you think would make sense for this bulls team if they are buying at the trade deadline yeah
2: if they're buying um that's interesting i, I think Ball obviously makes kind of sense i I caught, I think, like the last 18 minutes or so of that Suns Bulls game on, on Friday. Uh, and you could just see there were so many times, where, like, they just need another, you know, stabilizer out there. Um, Sato is good at that, but he's just not a good enough caliber of play all to, you know, warrant playing 37 minutes a night. I mean, I guess nobody plays 37 minutes a night unless you play for Tibbs or, you know, now Nate Bjorken in Indiana these days. But um, just someone who you can play. And like play a lot of minutes, and again, Sato I don't know exactly what Sato's up, but he's playing a big role. But I think you need someone else like that. Um, and, and I think it, he doesn't solve everything by any means. I mean, you're still in a spot where uh, you know, like, you still need more dribble penetration from someone besides Zach Levine. Um, that's not Lonzo's game. Kobe White can do it kind of when he's you know attacking a, a tilted defense, but his his handle really hurts him from kind of a standstill. Um, but I think he would help for all the reasons you mentioned, and just someone who can kind of be a play connector. Um, Zach Levine is so good at compromising defenders with his burst and the gravity he has to score um, that if you could have another guy outside of Fad, you know, even Wendell, uh, who was able to kind of make the proper read off of that when Zach Levine's doubled or, or trapped in pick and rolls, um, that would be huge. I, I don't, I'm trying to think who else comes to mind. Um, I just, I'm, I don't even, I think. Um, I, I'm totally fine with them just kind of standing pat. And if maybe something, someone, offer something, uh, and something comes around, I think it makes sense. But I think, generally speaking, I would probably be seeing what the market is for, for Larry Marketing. Um I'm I just, we, I'm sure we'll talk a little more, but I'm just not very enthused by utility As utility, as a stretch big man, but has too many flaws um, beyond his shooting that make it tough. So that's kind of what I would be doing. It's just seeing kind of gauging the market for maybe what you can get for him. Um, but I don't think they really need to make any big moves. Like they have a good team. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, I, I could say competitive team. I don't know if they're that good, but they have a good enough team that can, you know, continue to play this way and, you know, be a, be in the running for, for a playing spot, as you mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, I think I look at guys out there and I was thinking of someone like maybe George Hill, um, someone that's probably similar to Sadaransky that, a Veteran, another veteran, obviously, but someone they could come in and maybe do a little bit of ball handling, uh, decision making in the fourth. Um, outside of that, I was looking at more guys like Wings that could uh, maybe the Bulls can target just because obviously right now they don't have anyone that they can really rely on. They kind of go smaller at times with Garrett Temple. Um, obviously, Otto Porter, we don't know when he'll be back. Um, have you thought about anything like that as far as Wings that? maybe the Bulls could target?
2: Wings. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I love the George Hill shout. I think that's a great one. Um, you know, as someone who covers the Sixers, I've been, like, selected on who the Sixers should take So my, or try and pick up, and so my brain is, like, wrapped around, like, Evan Fournier and George Hill and Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker and Nemanja Bailitsa, so but they don't have quite the same needs, but I think George Hill would be a great one, um, especially because of, you know, his size and his defensive versatility. I think he would be similar to Lonzo Ball um, for, in a lot of ways. Obviously, you know, it doesn't quite doesn't the same level of defense and passing, but um, has been a very, very good shooter uh, for a little while now. Um, I think that's a, that's a great reference for sure. But uh, I, I don't know; it's tough to know exactly who's even going to be available because of this plan. There are so many teams that are still in it. Like you look at the East; I mean, you're basically what's like two teams right now that are out of it, um, and one of them you would say is the is the Cleveland Cavaliers who have now won three in a row and are uh, you know going to get Larry Nance back at some point, maybe Kevin Love back, so. Um, but I expect the Cavs to definitely prioritize, you know, draft positioning. But anyway, I mean, you look even the, the West, I mean, you got a lot of teams in it too. So I just don't know what the market's going to look like because of this play in. Um, I think there's just going to be a lot of guys that, you know, I don't, I just don't think a lot of teams are going to be sellers. Um, but I think, you know, I, I don't know if he makes a ton of sense, but I think even Harrison Barnes, you, you want to play him more at the four. So I don't know if that makes sense with Fad and Pat, Patrick Williams there, but. Um, he is a guy who I think you know would be useful and I think the Kings are gonna be sellers given their struggles recently. But I just don't have a lot of answers because I don't know I just don't think many teams are gonna be selling.
0: It's funny because if Otto Porter was healthy, he would be a tremendous <laughs> improvement over like what the Bulls need when you when you think about a wing who can hit the three, who plays like pretty solid team defense, can play like he can guard multiple positions on the floor, two, three, sometimes can play four, like Auto, like A healthy Otto Porter would make a difference, as he always has in Chicago, but it's just the fact that... Otto
2: Porter was healthy feels like the yeah. uh, the mantra of the last uh, <laughs> however many years he's been in Chicago now, unfortunately. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah,
1: his, his injury last season was probably as much of a reason as Jim Boylan uh, for the Bulls' like inconsistencies, because obviously they were so reliant on him last season coming in to produce at a certain level. And yeah, he was just MIA, obviously, because of his injury.
2: Yeah. And, and Yeah, like, that was, that was tough for sure. He's had, he's had a rough but it's, un, it's unfortunate because he was a, he's been a pretty solid player when he's been in Chicago and healthy and he was obviously a very good player in, in Washington when he was healthy, but that has not been the, the case for a prolonged stretch in a while now.
0: Yeah, we were at one point earlier in the season, we were bringing Porter, Temple, Sadoransky and Thad off the bench as like the vet mob and it was really valuable. Like you, you could see the the change, especially when the, they play around Zach Levine. It's such a versatile lineup that really fits everything that you want to do. And uh, speaking of that, you you kind of alluded to versatility, uh, I, I think earlier, and you were also talking about Lowry marketing, who you were saying that the Bulls should be looking to move him and it it still feels like there's kind of a split among the fan base of what to do with Lowry Markkinen and I I think we all acknowledge the player he is and we're all pretty real about his strengths and weaknesses but there's still a there's still a decent you know chunk of the fan base that does want him back long term and they think that he can still kind of be that that matchup nightmare seven-footer that he was advertised as when he entered the league so I'll with Lowry Marklin what do you make of what he's done this season it's only it's a pretty small sample size but his percentages are up he's shooting the ball better and he seems a little bit more comfortable in the offense so what do you make of what he is as a player now and what do you expect from him going forward regardless of if he's with the Bulls or not
2: yeah so I mean he's a guy as you mentioned he is having a a very good shooting season to his credit I mean he's at He's at 51% from the field, almost 40% from three on over seven attempts per game, uh, you know, 84% from the line. Uh, he, was at, he was at 19 points and he's at, uh, you know, 65% true shooting. And I, like, I know, I know where the, the offense has kind of been, you know, some of the offensive numbers around the league are pretty absurd, but uh, for a guy in his fourth year, I was almost 20 a game on 65% true shooting. That's, that's pretty ridiculous. But um, whenever I've watched him and watched the bulls this year, like I don't feel like he's some different player. Um, you know, you compare that to a guy, maybe like, and this, I'm not to, like, I don't think it's necessarily fair to compare them on the same scale, but if you compare him to a guy like Shea Gillespie Alexander this year, who's taken a big leap, like he looks like a different play. He's shooting way more threes. He's basically impossible to stop getting to the rim. He's a better passer this year. I just don't feel like there's much different with Larry Markin aside from the fact that more shots are going in. He's in a more competent offense. And so to his credit, like he's making shots, like he deserves credit for that and he you know, and whatnot. Um, he deserves credit for making, making, uh, you know, getting better, more comfortable in this offense, but, um, I just don't see the path to him. Like I, I shouldn't say I don't see the path. I don't see like kind of the current outline of maybe the contingent of bulls fans who him as this mismatch, this matchup nightmare, because he can't really exploit smalls in the post because he's, he's kind of, he's very weak for a big man. And he avoids contact a lot. Um, he's not really a dribble drive creator. Like he can, he can do the occasion, like, you know, one, you know, shot fake one or two dribble pull up or sidestep, but not really much of that. He's a very bad passer. Um, he's, he's a very bad defender too. Um, And so I just see a guy who like has some versatility as an off ball shooter. And that's very useful for a guy his size, but I don't think you get all the benefits of a seven footer who can, you know, you know, run off of a pin down or take a handoff and shoot because he's not going to be the one he's not finishing lobs. He's not posting up against smaller guys. He's not created on the short roll. So um, I see a guy who definitely has, has value and utility in the NBA He's going to be in the NBA for a long time because he has size. He can shoot kind of off the ball and a, a lot of different, you know, outlets, but I just don't. I just think kind of the idea of him is uh, is much rosier than the actual player he is and what he's even the flash, flashes he's he's shown over his first three and a half years. Yeah, it's
0: it, with Lowry. It's even when he's playing well, or even if he's like just shooting the ball well, it's it's still tough to justify a long term, uh, like the long term appeal because. He just doesn't really bring much defensively, like at the four or the five. If he could bring something defensively, maybe even at the five, like the value would be insane. But uh, as it as it as it presently is, it, it feels like the Bulls are a better team when they can play someone like Patrick Williams at the four who can defend who. Can not 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 the shooter that Lowry is, but can make a shot. Could potentially get better with his jump shot, and feels like he brings more to the table. More athletic, quicker is just more possibilities for different lineup combinations. Especially when you can play someone like Patrick Williams at the four, and even Thad in like small ball five. It just feels like the direction the league is going in. But yeah, it, Lowry Barkin, and even though he's shooting the ball well, it just feels like there's it just feels like there's still a lot missing. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, like I, um, I, uh, oh, geez, I'm losing my train of thought. Any, uh, I saw so at one point I was just looking up some numbers every now and then. And I was like, oh, wow, he's having a great year. And so um, I caught up on a few Bulls games. I was maybe a little behind and I was like, this guy doesn't seem like a different player. Like I, and I talked with a couple of people who cover the Bulls and whatnot. And they were like, yeah, he's just, he's, for the most part, he's hitting more shots. So um, again, he deserves credit for that. By no means am I trying to take that away from him. But um, I generally, I generally am. It just doesn't – I'm not super inspired by it um, beyond some shot-making. Loop. Like you can even compare it to a guy like Zach Levine this year who, yes, he's his efficiency is off the charts compared to prior years, but he's a better player. He's a he's better defender. He's a better decision-maker and passer. There are things he's improved beyond the ball going in the hoop more. I think those things are way more sustainable when you change your approach um, more than just the ball going in.
1: So, so with that said, do you think the Bulls should prioritize moving Lowry before the deadline? Because obviously we talk about the questionable fit long term especially with Zach um obviously Zach has improved defensively but they're still not both when you put them together they're still you know a problem on the defensive end and the fact that Larry doesn't really provide a lot much outside of when he's shooting well on on the floor so do you think that's something that AK should really just look at trying to cash in on
2: any value that Larry might have and just move on? Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily just like completely sell him off. Um, you know, I would try and get something better because I mean, again, he's a seven footer who is having a great shooting season and that has value. Um, but yeah, I would definitely try and see if I can get, you know, a young guard or a young wing for sure. Um, because as you mentioned, like, it's not a great fit with him and Zach, you know, Zach is much improved. He's, he's more of just a, a passively bad defender rather than kind of the bottom tier that he's been. Maybe not necessarily last year. I think he was better last year, still pretty bad, but, the prior two years, especially for much of his career, I thought he was kind of in the, in the lowest rung, you know, for most guys. But, um, you know, I, he's, he deserves a lot of credit for improving kind of his awareness and, you know, reading plays and recognition and whatnot. So, um, but back to the subject. Yeah, I think because as, as we mentioned, you know, you have a guy like Patrick Williams who's having a, a really, really encouraging and impressive rookie year whose optimal position is also the same spot as Larry Marketing. And he just provides way more. He can he has, he has that awesome mid-range pull-up already. He's shown some very impressive, you know, live dribble passing flashes, particularly with his left hand. He's a great week's room protector for rookies. So there's a lot more skills there at the same position. And I think that suit kind of the, your best player right now. I think, I think Patrick Williams fits very well alongside Zach Levine. And um, even Thad Young, as you mentioned, is a, is a four slash five. So um, I just don't know, like, I just don't know how much you, how much you can play, you know, Larry Markin. Um, and obviously you can play him, but, I just think he just doesn't make a ton of sense on this team and doesn't actually complement um, the other players very well beyond just being a very good shooter, which is a, which is a very valuable skill. There's, there's a lot of, you know, use in that, but I don't think it's enough to override kind of how he overlaps and maybe diminishes some of what other guys can do that are crucial to this team you know, short and long-term vision. How do you project
0: Patrick Williams long-term? Like, what do you think his? I'm sure there are a lot of different outcomes that can happen, but, what do you think his like most realistic upside is in the NBA?
2: That's tough. I'm, I'm really encouraged by him. Uh, I, I think I was definitely a little too low. I think I had him in my like six to 12 range of my, my board. And that was a really tight tier, but I think I could probably put him in a different tier now. Now, I mean, um, like I think he's, I think he's one of the most, five most promising rookies this year. Um, based on what I've seen, I just think there's so much there and it feels like, like I was talking recently with Will Gottlieb, who uh, you know was worked completely Bleacher Report and whatnot. Is obviously someone who covers the Bulls to an extent, and he he put it really well in that like so many of the things that Patrick Williams messes up on are rookie mistakes. Like he'll he'll attack off the catch and he'll travel, or he'll you know he'll uh, he'll miss a rotation every now and then, or he'll take the wrong angle around the screen. Like there are so many easily fixable things that he does. Um, that he, he screws up on that are that I, I am not really worried because of all the things he can do. Like as I mentioned, that um, some of the things he did in that first game of the year against the Hawks, like I think I comped together like three or four passes, and that it was his first regular season game. He was throwing some like pretty impressive skip passes um, on the move. So I I, I don't know how. Like, I'm not. I, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but I think I think he's a guy who can certainly be an above average starter, um, which puts him at least in the top seventy five already. I think there's a chance he can make an All-Star game or two. Maybe that's too rosy of an out, outcome. I don't want to be, you know, hyperbolic or anything, but I just think there's so much he does well, and he's so young. And he's art like the, the one big thing he's improved already is his movement skills. Like he could not guard anyone on the perimeter at Florida State, and while he still has significant troubles, like the Bulls sometimes are putting him in some pretty tough spots to improve Um He's so much better uh, this year than last year, and so uh, I'm just really encouraged by him. I know the numbers aren't great, but uh if you watch i mean obviously you two are but like you you watch him playing like yeah this dude six eight and is smart and can pass shoot dribble and defend like he's special like he's he's awesome so i think you have a really really awesome prospect in our hands just gonna be a very good player in due time
1: yeah he's very uh for his age i think obviously we talk about the rookie mistakes but at the same time instinctively he's a good defender at his age someone that Understands as well as when rotation when to rotate over on help, Um, and also just kind of you know, as far as an offensive player, he doesn't try to do too much that he's not capable of. He kind of knows, you know, what his game is right now, too. So, I think that's encouraging. He doesn't like take bad shots, uh, if you will. So that, that, the, and those things are encouraging. And kind of watching him this season not coming in, I always thought he for sure is a four. And I'm still more inclined to think that he fits at at, at the four long term as well. But what have you seen as far as, as him being at the three? Any potential as far as I'm developing as more as a three and maybe playing there even at a part-time basis?
2: Yeah, I think your your view is is pretty spot on. Um, I think he's, opt- he's optimized to the four. Uh, on both ends but i think you know as i mentioned the movement skills have gotten a lot better so I'm, and he has some perimeter skills offensively too so um i think yeah definitely you know on in, you know i guess maybe an interim basis or, or whatever you want to say uh he has some some value and ability at the three for sure um like i just i just think back to that that game that uh early, really early in the year when they when they played the clippers in la like he was guarding Kawhi, and kawaii you know kind of you know Kawhi um it was kind of a welcome to the nba rook type thing, but um, some of the like he was just able to do some stuff in terms of like forcing Kawhi into a few tough shots and getting around trees in a way in a way that I was like if you would have told me he tried, he had to guard Kawhi uh, a year ago I would have been like yeah Kawhi had seventy five points now quite a huge game but um, just the way he was able to at least navigate screens a little better and play on the play on the perimeter a little better defensively than I than I anticipated has me really encouraged so yeah I think mostly a four but can play the three in spurts as he continues to kind of uh, improve his movement skills and and be better laterally and turning his hips and getting around screens. Yeah. I think Kawhi just made a lot
1: of Kawhi shots. Like it was,
2: it was Pat was
1: right, right on him, making him take some tough looking, you know, a lot of the mid Rangers that Kawhi hits are just like ridiculous. It's like, man, there's no one else in the game that could just do that. Maybe him and like KD.
2: Yeah. I think, um, I think maybe in the third quarter, uh, Kawhi realized, okay, this guy has some pretty significant troubles guarding screens. And so they'd run a lot of early offense screens. I remember there was a, point where like him and zach were just like trading pull-up threes or like off-screen threes for like four or five minutes it was pretty fun but but the point being that was a game where i was like yeah this dude this dude can really has really improved his ability to defend on the perimeter even if it doesn't look very good even if it's still rough um it's a lot better than it was a year ago so that has me has me encouraged for him for sure yeah it was like a it felt like it was like a two-week
0: stretch where he just went through a gauntlet as a rookie (laughs) against Giannis, Kawhi, lebron and like you said, I mean, there, there's not much anyone in the NBA can do against those three. I mean, regardless of experience. So the fact that he looked like he belonged and that he, he didn't look just like lost, like it it was a really good sign. And the other encouraging thing, well, it it may be intimidating. I mean, he just doesn't wear a warm up when he's going through the layup
2: <laughs> lines, so
0: it's just <laughs> it's really scary. He, like, he, he's, a, he's, he's ready to go. He, he
2: doesn't need to he doesn't need to worry about all the uh, the co curriculars. He's, uh, he's 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 ready from the outset. Uh, but yeah, his his demeanor is pretty cool. He never really seems he's he's unflinching. It seems like,
1: yeah, yeah. The other just the other game, or not the other game against his sons, he had a really nice drive in traffic and threw threw down like a really nice dunk and walking up by the court like nothing happened. Um, he had a he had like a fifty foot a heave <laughs> at the half court. He hit that three. Yeah, Stone Cold just yep jogged back to the back. Yeah.
2: I think I saw like someone asked him about a post game and he was like, I've made threes before or something like that. Just like, <laughs> just an incredible response. And now he's getting the nickname, the paw, you know, after Kawhi, I think that's, I think that's awesome. Right? Yeah, obviously, yeah. obviously you don't want, you don't want to put too, too long of expectations on him, but there are definitely some similarities between him and Kawhi, you know, among the, between, especially the demeanor and the mid range pull up that he's gotten kind of that release point. Um, for sure. There are, there are certainly some parallels. Oh
1: man, Bulls fans are gonna love you <laughs> saying the Kawhi thing. especially really because there's been a lot of uh, that go on on Bulls Twitter where somebody made that.
2: I think there are similarities for sure. Again, you know, I'm not I'm not saying he's gonna be a top, <laughs> top three or four player, and, you know, two time Finals MVP or whatever. But um, there's certainly there's some archetypal you know similarities for sure. And there's there's a lot of value in a guy who can you know shoot off the dribble and is really strong for a six eight wing, can dribble a little bit and pass. So um, now Kawhi is i mean patrick williams is a much better passer than quite was as rookie quiet's gotten to be quite a good pass the last few years but again yeah I, i'm not one people temper expectations for listening but i think there are i think the, the similarities that you know bulls media and bulls fans of kind of comp between the two of them has some validity for sure the,
0: the paul nickname was genius i mean the bulls <laughs> have been on it like stacy and uh Adam, they've been on it this year with the nicknames it that one was that one was one they're of the best. Fun, they're a fun duo. I, I like yeah. I like
2: them. I think they balance each other well. For
0: oh sure. yeah, yeah. We we, we love them. Uh, <laughs> what do you what do you think about Wendell Carter Jr.? It feels like like he's been such a big part of especially like the recent stretch where the Bulls were at one like at one point seven of their uh, past ten. Granted, people will say you know it was an easier stretch, but still they were winning games and looking good, and Wendell Carter Jr. was a big part of it. Now he, he's had some injuries that have kept him out for like weeks at a time each season. But to, to me, I, I still believe in him as a potential two-way center. And he really still does a lot of the things that I think people value at that position really well. And I still think there's upside for more. So what do you make about his future with the Bulls? Can he still be a, a pretty good starting center?
2: Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, I, I'm still pretty optimistic about him. I liked him a lot as a prospect. I think um, he's, He's had some encouraging games recently where he, you know, he is aggressive, um, you know, I think to that Philadelphia game a couple weeks ago, a week and a half ago, um, you know, the win over the Rockets. He wasn't, it was, uh, he, he wasn't great. He actually, he was bad against the Suns on on Friday, but um, I do think he's been stringing together some good games. I liked, you know, I feel like there are, he's just such a strange player where there were games where he'll put it all together and be like, yeah, that's exactly who we should be. Like he makes a bunch of short rail passes. He hits those face-up jumpers. He, he defends. He rebounds. And then there are other games where he just is so timid. So um, I'm sure that kind of seems like kind of the Wendell Carter experience through, through two plus seasons. Um, but yeah, I'm still pretty optimistic about him being a viable, you know, starting center long term. Um, I really want that jumper, to, you know, extend a three point range. Um, it hasn't come yet. I know some of that was you know assumed to maybe be Jim Boylan kind of eroding some of his confidence, but it hasn't come this year yet. So um, I think it's certainly kind of some of it's on him as well, but. Yeah, I, I'm still a believer in him. I think a guy who's that smart and such a good defender. And, I mean, he's been a good defender since, since he was a rookie, like when he first in the league as a room protector. So um, I'm still buying him a lot. You know, a guy who can, you know, I, ideally, you know, be a pick and pop big, be a short role creator, you know, protect the rim as um, a smart player. He has his limitations and whatnot. And I think maybe some of the, the aggressiveness issues will always kind of maybe, you know, be part of his game at times. But the goal is that for you know to kind of reduce their frequency, and I think um, I'm still kind of hopeful about it. But but yeah, I think he is certainly someone who should still factor into the the long term vision of this team because I, I think he is he's a very scalable and contemporary player on both ends for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the confidence part is key with him because he's a very confidence type of player. Uh, The three-point thing you bring up, uh, in the preseason, he was hoisting a lot of three-pointers. And we thought, you know, maybe he'll come into the season and didn't expect him to shoot. Like, he was shooting like seven in in the first half of a preseason game. But we thought maybe he would shoot like two or three in a game. But that completely kind of disappeared as the season went along. Now maybe we'll see once in a blue moon in a game that he'll, you know, hoist up a three. The other day, um, not game... Not last game, but I think it was against maybe Philly. He had hit a three, which was pretty big. But, yeah, he he's very confident written And it's it's weird. Like, a lot of times Bulls fans have this assumption that he doesn't play well against other guys that are bigger. I mean, I, I was pretty impressed the way he, you know, went up against Embiid, who's, you know, the most dominant big in the game. Um, I, I liked his aggressiveness. He really kind of went at him. And wasn't you know backing down, and then yet last game against the sons is the, the exact like, perfect example of 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 confidence Wendell and and timid Wendell against Aiton, who's again not to say Aiton's like a bum or anything like that, but he's not Embiid exactly. And even though he's very talented in his own right, but he was very timid against Aiton and didn't really go at him, and kind of seemed a little you know you know wary of how to attack.
2: Yeah, for sure, and I mean, and Aiton, is, Aiton has his own issues with physicality and aggressiveness too. So, um, whereas Embiid never really has his issues, so yeah, it's a little confusing there. And you know, yeah, Aiton's a good center. He's had some issues this year, but um, yeah, Aiton had a great game that day, and I think you know Wendell definitely got severely outplayed. And yeah, it's just, just for it's just, I mean. I don't know about fresh, but like, I guess I can see how it's frustrating from a bulls fan or a coach perspective because you just don't quite know what version you're going to get of him. And I think that's kind of, that's, that's what happens with young players at times. They just, it, they're ebbs and flows, but, uh, but I think, yeah, the goal of the goal is he continues to progress with these skills that he has is to make sure those, those valleys are much less frequent than the peaks that we've seen, um, you know, over the last couple of weeks and throughout his career. Yeah. And the key is to remember he's only 21. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it, I mean, he's, he's, he, he's already playing pretty significant minutes as, as he has since, since he entered the league, but, but yeah, that, I mean, that's the biggest thing is it's just, it seems easy to say, but just making like just tapping into that, that mindset that he's got to be a scorer and look to, or, you know, look to create more. He can't, he can't always just like get the ball at the elbows and trying to be a at the triple handoff. It like, nobody in front of you to take that little dribble and hit that, hit that shot in the paint. So, um, stuff like that. And I mean, change your mentality and shift your mentality is tough. You look at it. I mean, a guy like Ben Simmons, who it's kind of finally starting to click for him to be more aggressive attacking downhill, and he's in year, he's in his year fourth year in the NBA, fifth year since he was drafted. So it just takes time to those things, and so um, I think you know patience is important. Hopefully, he can kind of start to start to string together more more consistent and aggressive games.
0: Jackson, thank you so much for joining us today on Bulls Gold. It was a blast talking to you about the uh, Bulls, and we've just been really enjoying this season because it's just been a bounce back from all the crap that we dealt with last season where it just felt it, it was almost like a chore watching this team sometimes. So just to be able to like talk basketball practically and seeing competitive basketball again, has just been, been really dope to see, but uh thank you again for uh, joining us. Can you let our listeners know where they can follow you and tell us what you're working on right now?
2: Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at Jack Frank underscore JJF, all the places that I write for in my bio, as you mentioned earlier, uh, currently, I'm working on a little Nikola Jokic piece talking about his improvements to the scorer this year. Um, we'll have some stuff on Tyrese Halliburton and Shea Gilders alexander soon as well. Um, but, yeah, you can follow me there. You, I'm always posting nonsense regarding the NBA or you know whatnot. So, uh, yeah, be on the lookout for those things. And uh, the easiest place to find all my work is, is through that Twitter bio. All
0: right. Salim, any final uh, words before we wrap up?
2: No, yeah. Th- thanks again
1: to Jackson. Definitely follow him. He's one of the best NBA follows. Um, I discovered him sometime last season, but he—he's uh, definitely someone that watches a lot of games. So he's not speaking out of uh, ignorance. He's actually, you know, puts time into his work and his craft. So he's—he's uh, he's a great follow there. And yeah, hopefully we'll see what happens with the Bulls tomorrow. Um, I'm guessing. Not sure if they're going to play. I think Bulls fans are kind of used to having these uh, long gaps for the Bulls not playing. I mean, we went, what, after last season was canceled from, like, March to, you know, November that we didn't have a Bulls game. So we'll see. I think we'll see. I'm I'm excited about Zach, obviously, with his All-Star game because I feel like he's going to be, like, the first All-Star that, not counting Luau Dang and and Noah because they didn't really have, like, the... Traditional all-star type, uh games, if you will, because um, Jimmy and Derek were very timid in the all-star game. They're not timid, I should say, but they didn't really care about the all-star game and wanting to go out. and I feel like Zach is going to be the opposite of that. He's just, I think, when he's out there, he's going to actually try to be, you know, a performer. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he does and maybe he kind of steals the show.
0: Yeah, Zach's Zach's game is tailor-made for the all-star game. I mean the athleticism he's gonna take shots he's gonna take some deep shots i mean we're gonna have some isolation possessions it's it's gonna be a lot of fun and i'm looking forward to it as well uh so yeah that concludes uh this week's bulls gold as always give us a follow at bulls gold and you can always catch us here tuesdays nine eight central in the morning on nothing but net radio a part of dash radio if you missed any past shows you can uh check us out on spotify on iTunes wherever you get your podcasts and for swimming sudawala. I'm Edward Schuller and we will catch you next time on Bulls Go.